Before we get started with today's show, I want to tell you guys about betonline.ag. What an end to the 2021 football season, huh, people? I guess now I can officially say Happy New Year. Now that football season is officially over, it is 2022. And so, you can kick off 2022 by heading over to Bet Online today to continue betting on basketball, hockey, some MMA, and the big dance being right around the corner. Use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to get a 50% welcome bonus when you sign up today. Bet online, where the game starts. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, or good night. However and whenever it is, you may be listening. Thank you for stopping into another fantabulous episode of the Take It Easy podcast live on the Believe Podcast Network. Except it isn't live because it is, as always a podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It is February 15th, according to my count. May not be that according to your count, but we appreciate you stopping in however and whenever it is that you may be stopping in. 862 episodes strong here on the Take It Easy podcast. We've got a fun one today. It is officially the first day of the 2022 sports calendar. Welcome to 2022, people. The sports calendar doesn't officially end until after the Super Bowl. The Rams are the 2021 Super Bowl champions. Uh, Who won the college football championship? How am I blanking? Georgia. Georgia. Stetson Bennett. Okay, I guess we have to play the Stetson Bennett commercial now. Hey, Georgia. Are you looking forward to the national championship game? Of course you are. But you know what else you could be looking for? A new, used, lightly used, upgrade or downgrade on your car. If you're looking for the best options out there on the market, then you need to come on down to the one and only Stenson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda Volkswagen of Georgia. That's right, not only is Stenson Bennett the quarterback of the national championship contending Georgia Bulldogs, but he's also here to give you the best deals. You see, Stenson has no real future prospects in the NFL, and as a walk-on football player at the University of Georgia, Stenson is here to sell you all of the wonderful new used trade-ins, slightly upgrade or slightly downgraded cars at your disposal. Get a fantastic 2022 off your latest purchase or trade-in if you get in before the national championship game and if georgia wins the national championship game which they will not you will get a whopping 22 percent off championship bonus on a brand new kia chevy subaru honda or volkswagen so come on in today to the one and only Stenson Bennett Kia Chevy Subaru Honda Volkswagen today. 
Ah, the Stetson Bennett, who's going to have used car dealerships in Georgia for the rest of time. Yeah, Georgia won the national championship in 2021. It's the new year of the sports calendar. And uh, we, every single year on the first week of the new sports calendar, get you set for everything that you missed in the past three months of not paying attention to college basketball or the NBA, except for when James Harden gets traded for Ben Simmons and when Russell Westbrook bricks a shot off the shot clock. We're going to update you on everything else that you're missing, a one-stop shop for everything you missed in the world of college basketball and the NBA and NHL and, you know, just the world of sports over the past three months, as uh, we do in our sarcastic, humorous way. But first, I have a long list of topics that I would like to discuss from last week in the NFL. One of those was Kyler Murray. We checked that box off with Walter Mitchell from SB Nation's Revenge of the Birds, which you can check out Friday as we also talk about the Super Bowl. Uh, One of those was the Sacramento Kings, which we did not once but twice last week. We checked off that box of topics I find interesting. We checked off the Brian Flores box, although I do want to talk about that and the Stephen Ross lawsuit sometime later on this week. We'll have an array of guests joining us for that. We'll get to that in a little bit. But what I wanted to talk about here on my list of topics is the Carson Wentz experience. And I'm a little nervous to talk about the Carson Wentz experience because last year we were going through a really difficult time. We were putting way too much of our emotional stability in this podcast. I didn't have a lot of social interaction during the pandemic. And it was a difficult time. And one of the things that we ended up throwing ourselves into after the Super Bowl to try and keep the adrenaline rush of football season alive was two weeks of what the hell is going to happen with Carson Wentz. In the same way that January 29th, 2021, Matthew Stafford gets traded to the Rams. Matthew Stafford ends up winning a championship for the Rams. In the first year there, it's a move that you can point to and say that ends up deciding a Super Bowl at the very end. We did the stronger, longer analysis of Carson Wentz and the Eagles and Carson Wentz and the Colts. Even though Matthew Stafford's a better quarterback than Carson Wentz, we still did the long-form analysis of Carson Wentz and Matthew Stafford uh, We did more analysis on Carson Wentz last year than we did on Matthew Stafford, and we spent two weeks trying to figure out whether Wentz would go to the Bears, Wentz would go to the Colts. It was a lot of Carson Wentz, and I regret how much Carson Wentz we talked about last year. But I do want to talk about Carson Wentz here today because the Colts are looking like they're just going to up and cut Carson Wentz before March 12th when the new NFL calendar resets, that they would rather absorb the dead cap hit on Carson Wentz for $15 million than they would for the $28 million that they would pay Carson Wentz after that date. So let's first talk about the Carson Wentz experience and give the Cliff Notes version of that because what the Carson Wentz experience essentially is is a wildly, wildly sporadic roller coaster that nobody is prepared for. And Carson Wentz at one point was the MVP of the NFL during his second season. In 2017, while on the rookie contract, Carson Wentz had an MVP caliber season before he tears his ACL against the Rams. The Eagles win the Super Bowl with Nick Foles. That was four years ago. I know it's kind of shocking. That was four full years ago that Carson Wentz 
and the Eagles were that close to a Super Bowl, where Carson Wentz was going to be the white Patrick Mahomes, where he wins an MVP, a Super Bowl MVP, and obviously a Super Bowl, all within his first two years in the NFL. And injuries have sapped a lot of Carson Wentz's career. It took him into the 2018 season to recover from his knee injury. He's had back issues. He had a concussion in the 2019 playoffs. It's been a long winding road for Carson Wentz, and the 2020 season was the wildly sporadic end of the Carson Wentz experience, where I said going into the year, Carson Wentz, when healthy, can be an elite quarterback in the NFL. And Carson Wentz was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL in 2020. In 2017, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 2020, he was one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. 16 touchdowns, 15 interceptions, a 41 passer rating, uh, a 70, or sorry, 41 QBR, 70 passer rating in the 70s, one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL, gets replaced by Jalen Hurts. After he gets the largest contract extension, the Eagles let Nick Foles walk out the door because Carson Wentz is their quarterback. The Eagles go from having all of the quarterbacks in the NFL for the next five years to no quarterback at all. I know Jalen Hurts is still technically a quarterback, but Jalen Hurts, not a very good quarterback. And so Colts fans in 2019 were shocked by the loss of Andrew Luck, their version of Joe Burrow. They lost Andrew Luck to an early retirement and a team that looked like it was going to be a dynasty for the next five years that at the end of 2018 had number one DVOA offense, number one QBR by Andrew Luck, number one rated offensive line, number one defense, went nine and one, beat the Texans in the playoffs and then lost to the Kansas City Chiefs in the divisional round in a snow game for a team that after starting one and four ends up going nine and one makes the playoffs and ends up winning a playoff game becomes one of the eight best teams in the NFL looks like they're on the road to becoming elite their elite quarterback retires and for the next three years they go miss playoffs losing the wild card miss playoffs and they've recovered relatively nicely. They still have one of the best offensive lines in the NFL. They've also had a rotating door of quarterbacks for the past three years. Jacoby Brissett was their fallback option. He was their best friend who was there for them in their time of grieving. As they moved on and went through the grieving process, they found themselves a nice Philip Rivers who was at the very end of his career, a feel-good story, someone who wasn't theirs but was someone stable and foundational wasn't sexy there was not a lot of love in the marriage but it was a rebound and then they immediately jumped into I'm ready to get back into the game and they traded a first round pick and a lot of money to bring in Carson Wentz and Carson Wentz was an experience this year Carson Wentz was crazy person for the Indianapolis Colts the game against the Bucks is the perfect encapsulation of Carson Wentz which is First half, 190 yards, three touchdowns, 80% completion percentage. They're up 24-7. Second half, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 90 passing yards, 50% completion percentage. Colts lose to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Carson Wentz gets COVID the last two weeks of the season, plays like dog shit against the Raiders and lets the Raiders in the playoffs even though the Colts were very much a better team than the Raiders and loses that crazy game to Jacksonville in one of the great collapses of any team 
the Colts were better than the Bengals, I said all season. The Indianapolis Colts could have done what the Bengals did if they got to play the Raiders in the first round, the Titans in the second round. I still attest that if the NFL had expanded to a 16-team playoff, the Colts as the 8 seed would have gone into Tennessee and beaten the Tennessee Titans. The Colts were the fourth best team in the AFC this year. And the Indianapolis Colts are talking about moving on from Carson Wentz experience, or the Carson Wentz experience, shall I say. The Colts want to move on from the Carson Wentz experience. There's talk about them just up and cutting Carson Wentz to save the $15 million dead cap hit before the season begins. The Indianapolis Colts, or I believe March 19th is the date because everything got moved back a week this year. So let's talk about the financials for this situation, because when I first heard this story, I thought this is the dumbest shit I've heard, because it just does, it was mind-boggling that the Colts would just up and cut Carson Wentz. And so I went to the money situation and said, what are the Indianapolis Colts valuing here on the Carson Wentz situation? Indianapolis has a $15 million dead cap hit if they move off of Carson Wentz. If Carson Wentz is their quarterback in 2022... And then they get to next offseason, there is a zero dead cap hit on Carson Wentz. It is essentially the contract the 49ers had with Jimmy Garoppolo before the 2020 season. They played out the contract with Garoppolo. They then drafted Garoppolo's replacement. Garoppolo has a zero dead cap hit for two years. They kept him this year, and now they can move off of him in a trade with no cap penalties at all. They'll save $25 million by trading Jimmy Garoppolo. The Indianapolis Colts are in a similar situation to not where the 49ers were when they drafted Lance, the year before they drafted Lance. So the year after they won the or they won the NFC championship, right before the six and ten or six and eleven or whatever it was season. The 49ers uh, decided to keep Jimmy Garoppolo coming off the Super Bowl, where the Colts are deciding that they want to move off of Carson Wentz. They would pay $15 million to mo- to get rid of Carson Wentz. If Wentz played out the full season, he would make $28 million. So $28 million to play for the Colts, $15 million dead cap for him to not play. So they would save essentially $13 million by getting rid of Carson Wentz prior to March 15th, or March 19th, I think it was, second week of March. If they move Carson Wentz by the second week of March, a month from today, the Colts will save $13 million. But the Colts also don't have a quarterback. And they could be in on the Jimmy Garoppolo game. They could be in on the Russell Wilson game. But they have to make a decision on Carson Wentz before they can have access to any of those quarterbacks. Maybe Garoppolo will get traded before free agency starts. But Russell Wilson's going to drag this one out to get the best possible situation Um, And the Seahawks are obviously going to be reluctant to trade him. Deshaun Watson is still engaged in legal battles, even though I don't think the Colts would trade Deshaun Watson, or Texans would trade Watson to the Colts, even if it was their due diligence. The Texans do dumb shit all the time. We're not going to talk about the Deshaun Watson situation while the legal side's still going on. The point is, Indianapolis doesn't really have an alternative option in waiting that is better than Carson Wentz. Which is why I was so confused when it said that the Colts would move on from Carson Wentz before the new league year starts. 
is because the Colts don't have better than Carson Wentz in waiting. The Colts can also point to it and say, we can find lesser options than Carson Wentz for cheaper. That is one of the options the Colts are looking at here. And this is an interesting game that goes beyond the Carson Wentz experience. This is what's going on with Jimmy Garoppolo right now. The conversation we've had with Derek Carr for years. Ryan Tannehill for the past eight years. Andy Dalton when he was the starter on the Bengals. And people were like, well, you can always do a whole lot worse than Andy Dalton. But then they got the number one pick and it made it easy to move off of Andy Dalton. The whole conversation around this is when you don't have an elite quarterback and you don't have a path to acquiring an elite quarterback, how do you operate within the margins? Because a lot of teams are going to pay up a lot to get Jimmy Garoppolo. The Colts just gave up a first-round pick to acquire Carson Wentz last year. They could have benched Carson Wentz late in the season to protect the first-round pick if they were going to up and cut him anyways, but they thought they were going to make the playoffs until you know Carson Wentz got COVID and absolutely collapsed at the end of the season. I don't know how much COVID actually played into Carson Wentz playing like shit at the end. It's just a cause-correlation thing. How do you operate within the margins when you know you're not going to have an elite quarterback? Because the Colts had that elite quarterback with Andrew Luck, and they've been in the rotating door for the last three years where they haven't even tried to go out and get another elite quarterback. They've just done patchwork in the in-between. And cutting Carson Wentz or trading Carson Wentz, I don't know if there's much of a market for Carson Wentz. This is another part of this conversation. Moving off of Carson Wentz doesn't exactly solve their problems because it means that they're still operating within the margins of, well, we don't have one of the 12 best quarterbacks in the NFL. Let's see what we can do with cheap options in the meantime. And they haven't even done cheap, by the way. Like Jacoby Brissett made $15 million as a backup last year. Phillip Rivers made $25 million last year. The Colts have just been able to throw stupid money at the quarterback position because they've been so good at building out the rest of their roster. And they got so much money from Andrew Luck retiring. They've, had, they've been at the top of the NFL for years. A team that I said was a dynasty aborted by Andrew Luck when we first started this podcast in 2019. That team was so good and in such a great position. And they've just had a rotating door of quarterbacks for the last three years through no fault of their own. It's just they got incredibly lucky to even land Andrew Luck in the first place. That they went 15 years of Peyton Manning and then Peyton Manning has one injured season. They get the number one pick and immediately get Andrew Luck as their Favre to Rogers bridge. Andrew Luck retires, and now they're stuck in the purgatory of quarterbacks. But you know how they have avoided going to the very bottom of the draft order? They've got all-pro linebacker as a rookie, all-pro, a future Hall of Fame left guard as a rookie all-pro, has made all-pro each of his first three seasons in the NFL. Like, they get Hall of Fame left guard and best middle linebacker in the same draft. And they get Kenny Moore off the scrap heaps from the Eagles and Patriots and make him a star. And they pick up Xavier Rhodes, and he had an amazing 2020. The Colts have found ways in the margins to remain relevant, and it's why Chris Ballard's one of the best general managers in the NFL. But Chris Ballard is also playing the game of, 
we aren't going to try to get in the game of the rookie quarterback. We're going to play the game of we can find interchangeable quarterbacks that can play at the level of a middle-of-the-road quarterback who will ultimately lose to the elite quarterbacks. Because I remember in the playoff game they played in 2020 against the Buffalo Bills. Remember last two years ago, the Colts were the seven seed, Bills were the two seed. The Colts could have been up 24-7 to going into halftime. They get stuffed at the goal line, and Rodrigo Blankenship missed a field goal. So missed a field goal by Blankenship, three run plays at the goal line. First and goal stuffed, second and goal stuffed, third and goal stuffed, fourth and goal don't get it. So they don't get that, and then Josh Allen from his own end zone rolls right and throws a 55-yard completion to Gabriel, I think it was Gabriel Davis. 55 yards rolling to his right, completes a pass to Gabriel Davis on the sidelines. Bills go in, score a touchdown. Instead of being 20-7 to or 24-7, to the Colts are down 14-10 at halftime to the Bills. Bills end up winning the game. You can operate within the margins, and then you will lose at the end to the teams who are better than you with a better quarterback, except for the randomness of the NFL which worked out in the Bengals' favor, which was they didn't have to play a real difficult opponent until they got to the conference championship and they benefited from a Kansas City Chiefs team that was significantly better than the Bengals that gagged all over themselves in the conference championship game, allowing the Bengals to get to the Super Bowl like we talked about yesterday on our NFL Monday podcast. The Bengals were not good enough to win the Super Bowl, but they were good enough to beat the Rams on that day. The Indianapolis Colts could have snuck away with that Super Bowl if they get put in the same position as the Bengals, because I think the Colts were better than the Cincinnati Bengals this year. The Colts just fell apart at the very end of the season, and Carson Wentz could have kind of done what Joe Burrow did on any given day. Joe Burrow had one game with a 70 passer rating in the playoffs, two in the hundreds, and one in the 90s. Joe Burrow was a slightly above average quarterback in the playoffs this year and threw an interception against the Kansas City Chiefs at the end that would have cost them the game had the Chiefs not gagged on themselves and not been able to convert it into points. So Carson Wentz, not guaranteed to do what Joe Burrow did, but we've seen Carson Wentz do it many, many times before, and not just in 2017. Like We've seen Carson Wentz do it this year, where he puts up 130 passer rating games averaging a 94 passer rating this season which is above average by NFL standards even though we also saw Carson Wentz play like absolute dog shit at the end of the season and the second half of the Bucks game and times when the Carson Wentz experience becomes the Carson Wentz experience where he's throwing left-handed pick sixes against the Titans the point to it being is if the Colts move on from Carson Wentz it's going to be purely a financial decision because there is no path for them to acquire a quarterback better than Carson Wentz. You could argue that Jimmy Garoppolo is better than Carson Wentz. I don't think so. I think they're kind of the same, and Garoppolo's just a safer version of Carson Wentz, which doesn't make Jimmy Garoppolo better or worse. It just makes Jimmy Garoppolo safer than Carson Wentz. There aren't really a lot of options for the Indianapolis Colts as a path to acquire a great quarterback unless a Russell Wilson or a Deshaun Watson decides they want to play for you the same way the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are now throwing their name in both of those team in both of those players mixes the point is for the Indianapolis Colts the Carson Wentz experience is 
middle of the road and you're paying a lot of money to make it happen. But if this is purely a financial decision, then you're playing the game of we can get interchangeable quarterback play and save our money and invest it elsewhere. And you will be the team that loses to the teams that don't have the that have the generational quarterback. This is a difficult game to play is do you lie down and give up or do you do what the Colts did, which is draft an all pro running back, draft an all pro middle linebacker get the greatest left guard of his generation at the top of the draft by trading picks that would ultimately become Sam Darnold. How do you litigiously make trades and make moves to compete while being, you know, presumably one of these general managers that is smarter than everyone else? Like Chris Ballard is really, really good at the talent evaluation. How do you go from that to we're good at evaluating talent and we evaluate there is no path for us to acquire a franchise quarterback because we were the, we were the, not the beneficiaries, the opposite of beneficiaries. We were the victims of one of the craziest retirements in the history of the NFL. One of the craziest stories anywhere in the history of the NFL where Andrew Luck, who had more passing yards in his first six years than Dan Marino and did pretty much the same things Joe Burrow is doing for the Bengals right now at 28 years old, just decides to up and retire right before we get him an amazing offensive line, amazing middle linebacker, just decides to up and retire, and that's it. We have no contingency plan because he told us the day before the first preseason game that he was retiring. And so all of that is going to come back full circle to the Colts, which is how Chris Ballard evaluating talent recognizes we have no path to acquiring a franchise quarterback. And so how do we operate within the margins of everyone else who doesn't have a franchise quarterback? I put franchise quarterback in air quotes because there's like 12 of them in the NFL right now. And then there's a purgatory of another six or seven guys like Carson Wentz, like Jimmy Garoppolo, where you can do a whole lot worse. You could have Phillip Rivers. You could have Jacoby Brissett, who's essentially a backup. You could do a whole lot worse than both of those guys. At this point, it's a matter of how can we get the interchangeable quarterback and save the most money that we could then put to other places. Because ultimately, like I said at the beginning, this is a financial decision for them on Carson Wentz and not wanting the Carson Wentz experience, even though they have no path to get a quarterback as good as Carson Wentz. What they're arguing is we can get a worse but cheaper quarterback than Carson Wentz, which at that point I would advise them to just, you know, throw your hat in the mix and draft one of these rookie quarterbacks. Even if they're a second round pick, uh, I would still just throw your hat in the ring and try and get one of those guys. There were times where Carson Wentz was as good as Davis Mills this year, even though Carson Wentz only threw seven interceptions and at one point had the longest streak without throwing an interception in the NFL. I think Carson Wentz is a safe option. But I think they're kind of pointing to we can find a lot of safe options in the NFL. And maybe with our offensive line and our talent, one of these special quarterbacks will want to play with the Indianapolis Colts. And if not, we'll go to plan C, which, like the Miami Dolphins, is not necessarily the greatest plan. But plan B is, I guess, Jimmy Garoppolo giving up more assets to get Jimmy Garoppolo. It's why I'd be kind of confused if they just up and cut Carson Wentz as a f- it's to save $13 million when they have no path to acquire a quarterback as good as Carson Wentz. It would be kind of strange if I'm looking at it that way. But 
Maybe the Indianapolis Colts are trying to use big brain and don't want Carson Wentz back as their franchise quarterback. Maybe I'm overestimating Carson Wentz's ability as well. I just see him have a rebound type of season this year, 54 passer rating instead of the 62 that he had with the Eagles in 2018 and 2019. Maybe they look at it as we know what Carson Wentz is as a quarterback and we think we can do better. Although I don't really see where the path to do better exactly resides for the Indianapolis Colts at this point. But maybe with the star running back, and maybe with the Pro Bowl wide receiver possibly and Michael Pittman emerging and the all-pro defensive tackle, or sorry, all-pro, well, they do have an all-pro defensive tackle. They have DeForest Buckner, Darius Leonard, Quentin Nelson, all the studs they have on that team. Maybe they point to it and say, we can find interchangeable quarterback, we can surround him with weapons, and they can do basically what Ryan Tannehill does. But Carson Wentz can do what Ryan Tannehill is. Their problem is just that he's making $28 million next year, apparently. Interesting to see where the Carson Wentz experience leads them. What's better than having peace of mind? Nothing. And that's what NordVPN is here for to give you peace of mind while you're online and protect you from all of the threats that you face on the internet. NordVPN is available on all of your computers and devices. No matter the operating system, NordVPN has got you. You can get your exclusive NordVPN deal today by going to nordvpn.com slash believe. Use the link in the description to this episode as well. And use the code believe. B-L-E-A-V. You can pick up 70% off, 70% off your NordVPN plan, and you get an additional month for free. It's also 100% risk-free for 30 days when you sign up. That's nordvpn.com slash believe. All right, y'all. It's that time of year again. Many of you have been watching the NFL for the past three months, and perfectly understandably, you have not been paying close attention to what has gone on in the world of basketball and hockey and football. It kind of consumes us all. It happens to me a little bit. We're going to play a fun game of me learning about college basketball all in one here as we start to get excited for March Madness. We'll talk to Razor Rosenthal eventually and do actual college basketball analysis, but I need to learn more about college basketball other than Duke is very good and Coach K is going to retire. I need to learn more things about college basketball than this, so we'll have fun with that later on here. First off, we got to update everyone about all the happenings in the NBA. And I know that a lot of you know that the Lakers aren't very good. We understand that fact. And we know that the Brooklyn Nets have traded James Harden for Ben Simmons and Kyrie Irving still is not vaccinated, but New York could change their rules on vaccination status here in the coming weeks. We know all of these things, but we don't know the nitty gritty about what's happening in the NBA. Yes, the trade deadline is passed, and I wish the trade deadline had been this week so we could have done our Blazers and Kings content this week instead of during Super Bowl week. It's going to be a dry time in sports. I get it. But we can update everyone on what's happened in the NBA here today. And the first place we can start is 
Did y'all know the Cleveland Cavaliers had two All-Stars? Two. Two All-Stars from the Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cleveland Cavaliers have two goddamn All-Stars in the NBA All-Star game this year, which is an absolute cop-out because everyone load manages the All-Star game and the replacements make it such that like 35 people make the All-Star team in the NBA. It's kind of similar to what happens with the Pro Bowl. Jared Allen is an all-star. That Jared Allen, who was traded for, I believe it was a draft pick in the James Harden trade. It was a weird three-team trade where he went to the Rockets, but the Rockets got a draft pick that they then sent to Brooklyn, or I'm sorry, that Brooklyn then sent to the Rockets by sending Jared Allen to the Cavs. It was all very convoluted and confusing, but ultimately led to Jared Allen ending up on the Cleveland Cavaliers, making an all-star team, replacing none other than James Harden, the guy he was originally traded for. Is Jared Allen an all-star? Absolutely not. Jared Allen is not an all-star. But you know what? The Eastern Conference is running out of goddamn all-stars because you know who sucks this year in the NBA? Ten teams. Ten teams really fucking suck in the NBA this year. The Pistons are ass. The Orlando Magic stopped trying last year when they traded their entire team, as they should have. The Oklahoma City Thunder are ass. The Houston Rockets are ass. The the Sacramento Kings, ass. San Antonio Spurs, ass, even though the Spurs could make the playoffs. Portland Trailblazers, bad and now tearing down their team. New Orleans Pelicans, ass this year. The Indiana Pacers, terrible and now trying to actively tank and get a top draft pick they've lost six in a row new york knicks not good washington wizards they were very good at the start of the year there was a time where the washington wizards and the chicago bulls were the two best teams in the eastern conference don't forget it people this was a thing that happened the same way it was a thing when the memphis grizzlies the year that they got the pick that became john morant had the best record in the western conference and that the tanking process Philadelphia 76ers under Sam Hinkie started a season 3-0. and All of those things exist. Regular season basketball is weird. The Wizards are now five games below 500. They have lost, I believe, 17 of their last 20. And the Wizards just lost Bradley Beal for the season, who could hit free agency. Remember when everyone was having trade last year during the heart of the pandemic about you could get... Six first-round picks for Bradley Beal if you are the Washington Wizards. Well, now you might lose him for nothing, and your team is terrible, and your franchise is headed towards purgatory for the next 15 years, shall we say? I think they're already five years in, a decade of incompetence for the Wizards ahead of them. Wizards are ass, but they're not as bad as the Pacers, Magic, and Pistons. If I had to pick a team that wins the Sacramento Kings Award for Worst team in the NBA actively trying to win. I think the Kings and Knicks win this. Every year, the Kings and Knicks are the teams that get this award. And I think both of them deserve it this year because the New York Knicks, pretty bad. They are pretty bad this year. Although I think the Knicks will ultimately get close to the play-in game. New York Knicks, pretty bad. You know who else missed their window of opportunity? The Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks, who we forget six months ago, were playing in the conference championship in the Eastern Conference because they benefited from a 1 in 800 collapse by the Philadelphia 76ers because Ben Simmons didn't want to shoot. 
Well, the, the Hawks are now the 10 seed in the Eastern Conference. The Atlanta Hawks are probably headed towards the play-in round. I think it would be quite a turnaround for them to be able to catch the Nets, the Bucks, the 76ers, the Heat, or the Bulls. Hashtag, the Bulls are back. Didn't know that, did you? Hashtag, the Bulls are back. Hashtag, DeBalzac. If you don't know what that is, it is one of the great nicknames in the NBA that is very confusing if you don't know what DeBalzac is for the Chicago Bulls. Just like if I say cum bucket for the Golden State Warriors, a lot of you might not know what that is, but there is a cum bucket on the Golden State Warriors, just like the Bulls have DeBalzac. Hashtag DeBalzac. Hashtag the Bulls are back. Uh, the Cavaliers are 13 games above 500. Weird, huh? Cleveland Cavaliers. Picture of confidence. Competence. We didn't talk much about the NBA during the NFL playoff month of January, but one of the things we did produce was this incredible, incredible commercial about the new and improved Cleveland Cavaliers, who now have two All-Stars playing in the NBA All-Star game. They are the third seed in the Eastern Conference. Sixth best team in the Eastern Conference, yes, but also the third seed presently in the Eastern Conference. So if you want to hop on the new Cleveland Cavaliers, this is definitely the time to do it. Even though the deal will be void by April, this is your chance to jump on the bandwagon. Are you tired or bored of your current NBA team? Have you recently lost a superstar and are now spending years stuck in a rebuild? Are you a Lakers fan who hopped on the bandwagon after the Russell Westbrook trade but are now tired of defending Anthony Davis on Twitter? If you or someone you know is experiencing perpetual mediocrity, then we have a new solution for you. Introducing the new Cleveland Cavaliers. We know it's now been four years since LeBron left, and the Cavaliers have had a really poor reputation but with the fifth seed in the Eastern Conference. And while currently sitting five games over 500, the Cleveland Cavaliers are a perfect option for any new and adopting bandwagoners. Yes, for 20 years the Cavaliers' strategy was to have the greatest players in the history of basketball be born in the general area of your city, but the Cleveland Cavaliers have pivoted in the last four years. We traded Kyrie Irving, who we got with the number one pick in the draft, and basically only got Colin Sexton in return. We then refused to sign Colin Sexton to his rookie extension, only for Sexton to then tear his meniscus in week one. The Cleveland Cavaliers signed Kevin Love to that four-year $120 million extension, and we still have refused to trade Kevin Love because we are loyal. We know we've drafted in the top five six times in the last 10 seasons, but we've also had more success than 26 other NBA franchises in the last decade. When you join the new Cleveland Cavaliers, some of the perks involved are three fun young rookie stars, the possibility of acquiring Ben Simmons, and no expectations for the 2021-2022 season. That's right, You get all the fun of a team that's allowed to talk shit on Twitter and none of the expectations of actually winning a playoff series. Remember when we had John Beeline and he was basically Urban Meyer before Urban Meyer? 
Neither do we, and we've moved on from this through a pandemic and multiple draft picks to create a new, young core of Darius Garland, Isaac Okoro, and Evan Mobley. For all of you who are big fans of NBA Twitter, we also have wonderful attractions such as Ricky Rubio, Chetty Osman, and the legend, Taco Fall. That's right, Taco Fall plays for the Cavaliers. Bet you didn't know that. Lakers fans, how excited were you when you guys got Russell Westbrook? Well, if you join the new Cleveland Cavaliers in seven months, you'll get that joy again when we inevitably trade Kevin Love and Colin Sexton to acquire Russell Westbrook in a move of pure desperation. But that's not all, folks. If you sign up in the next 48 hours, you will receive a new Cleveland Cavaliers swag bag, which includes a J.R. Smith tattoo t-shirt, LeBron James's old practice shorts from 2016's championship season, a copy of the Dan Gilbert letter that he sent out after LeBron James decided to join the Miami Heat, Two complimentary tickets to a Detroit Pistons-Cleveland Cavaliers game worth $6 and Lowry Markkinen. So sign up today for the new and improved Cleveland Cavaliers. All signups for new Cleveland Cavaliers are binding through the 2022-2023 season. All signups must be confirmed before the inevitable New York Knicks play-in game in April. Side effects of new Cleveland Cavaliers include fever, chills, cold sweats, Ben Simmons trade rumors, anxiety, depression, suicidal thoughts or actions, diarrhea, constipation, a longing for LeBron James, and the inexplicable urge to acquire Harrison Barnes at the trade deadline. If you or someone you know experiences any of these symptoms, your doctor may prescribe Orlando Magic as an alternative for new Cleveland Cavaliers. Update on that joke, they didn't acquire Harrison Barnes at the deadline. Harrison Barnes is somehow still a Sacramento King, but they did trade for Chris Levert. And now Chris Levert is a part of the new Cleveland Cavaliers. So, switching over to the Western Conference now. We did most of our analysis on the Eastern Conference, other than to say Milwaukee Bucks still the favorites in the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn Nets, very, very good. Philadelphia 76ers, now much better since they have James Harden playing for their team now. Then you have the second tier of teams in the East, the Miami Heat. By the way, Miami Heat, best record in the Eastern Conference as of right now. It might not be that by the time you're listening to this, but at the time of recording, going towards the All-Star break, Miami Heat, best record in the Eastern Conference, only one All-Star this year. Interesting dichotomy there. I believe the Bulls have two All-Stars, Bucks have two All-Stars, 76ers have one All-Star, Nets two? James Harden, kind of a Net (laughs) All-Star. James Harden technically gets to be a Brooklyn Net All-Star. But anyways, Miami Heat, one All-Star, it's Jimmy Butler, but they also have Tyler Hero coming off the bench scoring 20 points a game. Bet you didn't know that. Uh, So second tier, Miami Heat, Although the Miami Heat could give some of those teams a run for their money, Cleveland Cavaliers and DeBalzac, and then all the teams in the play-in round. The Hornets, uh, of course, are in that group. The Nets, or I'm sorry, the Hornets, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Hawks. Those are your play-in teams in the Eastern Conference. Swing over to the Western Conference here. There are four good teams in the Western Conference this year. 
A fifth one if we want to talk about the Dallas Mavericks here. But there are four really good teams. It's the Phoenix Suns. It's the Golden State Warriors. The Memphis Grizzlies, who have had a miraculous turnaround this season. And the Utah Jazz. Although I will always attest the Utah Jazz cannot be trusted in any of these circumstances. They lost Joe Ingles to a torn... Or Jingles, as Morgan from Australia and I call him. Jingles is gone with a torn ACL and now traded to Portland. They get Nikhil Alexander-Walker to replace Jingles, which I guess is discount Jingles because Nikhil Alexander-Walker can kind of shoot. You know, he's an okay shooter. But Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they got beef. We knew this back in the bubble. After uh, after Rudy Gobert tested positive, they weren't cool before. But Donovan Mitchell kind of fed up with the Utah Jazz. And Utah extended Rudy Gobert for $200 million dollars. And they might choose Donovan Mitch, or they might choose Rudy Gobert over Donovan Mitchell. And if Donovan Mitchell's willing to make things ugly, he could be a trade candidate this offseason? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Uh, don't believe the Utah Jazz. They are pretty good. I want to talk about Memphis and Dallas real quick because Memphis and Dallas are very interesting case studies. Memphis and Dallas are following the natural progressions of teams that have young star generational talents. Now, Luka Doncic is a generational talent, and I'd put Ja Morant in the second group of guys behind Luka Doncic. Ja Morant is a perennial all-star at 21 years old. He's going to be possibly an MVP in the future. Luka Doncic is his player's great, his generation's greatest player. Him and Zion are like one in the same at this point in like they are amazing generationally great they can be 10 of the great or two of the 10 greatest players in the history of basketball or at least in my lifetime and Dallas with Luka has gone missing the playoffs make the playoffs and lose in the first round they did that in the bubble in 2020 then make the first round and go seven games instead of going five games but really six because Luka Doncic hit an amazing buzzer beater against the Clippers and then they got dismantled by a Clippers team that was clearly better than them they've gotten incrementally better every single year and so progression would say this is the year the Dallas Mavericks win a playoff series now if they play the Denver Nuggets that would be a really fascinating series the Mavericks also haven't made significant adjustments to help Luka Doncic they traded Porzingis for Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertons, who hasn't been great for the Wizards since signing his giant extension. Uh, they uh, Jalen Brunson has been a great piece. They gave Tim Hardaway $80 million this offseason like I didn't really think they should have, although they did get a good deal on Tim Hardaway. I thought they were going to give him more money. Dallas is fascinating because by the natural progressions of Luka Doncic's career, without a setback, of course, Dallas would be a team that could win a playoff series this year as a five seed against a Utah Jazz or against a Memphis Grizzlies. Teams that have really good players, none of which are as good as Luka Doncic. This is the logic of the NBA, is that when push comes to shove, the superstar player means so much more. And as great as John Morant is, and as great as Donovan Mitchell is, they aren't Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic is incredibly special. And the Grizzlies' strength in numbers does work in their favor, and Utah's biggest core strength is strength in numbers. Now, that didn't help them for shit when Terrence Mann put up 45 points to eliminate them in the second round last year when they were the number one seed in the West in just a laughable Utah Jazz loss. The thing I've said for years, 
Whenever you think the Utah Jazz are great, they are not. Although the Lakers aren't in their way anymore. The joke was LeBron and Anthony Davis was like the the Gucci version of the Walmart Utah Jazz. But they aren't in the way anymore. Who is in the way, though, are the Suns and Warriors. Suns and Warriors should play in the conference finals this year. I know I said there were four great teams. And the Suns and Warriors are one injury away from maybe not being as good as the Grizzlies or Jazz or even the Dallas Mavericks. But when healthy, those might be the two best teams in all of the NBA this year. I know the Phoenix Suns were a team that I think a lot of people were surprised coming into this season would be as good as they were last year. Devin Booker is legitimately one of the five best players of his generation. If his generation is Giannis Antetokounmpo and Joel Embiid, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic, he might be the best guard of that generation, the quote-unquote Giannis generation at this point. I mean, you can make an argument, Devin Booker, who's now, I think, four-time All-Star by the age of 25 and is going to have some sort of MVP considerations this year. Like, at least three-time All-Star, but he got snubbed in 2019 pretty bad. So should be a four-time All-Star at 25 years old. I think Devin Booker is the best guard of that generation that's about to enter their prime. If you talk about Giannis being close to entering his physical prime and Joel Embiid entering his physical prime at 27 years old and Giannis being 27 years old, um, you Devin Booker at 25 is the best guard player of that generation. And the older generation with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson and the the Warriors team that we've all known and loved. I know you've probably seen the joke about Andrew Wiggins is starting in the All-Star game. Yes, Andrew Wiggins is starting in the All-Star game. Probably should have been Draymond Green, but Andrew Wiggins is indeed starting in the All-Star game. If this were the Eastern Conference, the Warriors might have five All-Stars on their team this year because the Eastern Conference has Jarrett Allen, starting in the All-Star game, or not starting, just playing in the All-Star game this year. But the Golden State Warriors are the Golden State Warriors of a couple years ago. They're going to be a fascinating story that I assume we talk about on podcasts coming up here, and I don't really have the time to dip into it. But the Warriors case is so fascinating because they spent two years getting Clay Thompson healthy, retooling a team without Kevin Durant. They spent two years in purgatory trying to right this ship And everyone stayed healthy, and Steph Curry's game ages gracefully, and all of a sudden the Warriors are a legitimate championship contender again. Now, they are one injury away from being as good as the Mavericks or as good as the Jazz, but the Golden State Warriors are an incredibly great basketball team. Them and the Suns are the two best teams, even ahead of the four or five teams that I said are great in the Western Conference. The Denver Nuggets, I know we, we talk about the Lakers a lot because it's the Lakers, and it's LeBron James, and he's been the pinnacle of this sport for the past 20 years. The Denver Nuggets, we talked about Bradley Beal trades earlier. They were the team that should have gone all in on getting Bradley Beal, whether that's trading Jamal Murray or trading Michael Porter Jr. They should have gone all in then because they've been an unholy hell of injuries this year and Nikola Jokic is so incredible that with just absolute like basically the equivalent of the Orlando Magic with Aaron Gordon being your third best player and Austin Rivers and I think you know a, a, a Morris playing point guard for them 
the Denver Nuggets are still six games above 500 because just by having Nikola Jokic, your team is good enough to make it to the second round of the playoffs. They might not get to the second round of the playoffs, but the Denver Nuggets fully expect to make the second round of the playoffs this year. Just because you have Nikola Jokic in his prime, the second best player or third best player of the Giannis generation, whether you want to call it him or Embiid, is kind of a toss-up. Those dudes are both in their primes MVP caliber players. Like we talked about what John ja Morant could become once he gets older is an MVP in five years um, or four years or however long it takes or Zion being an MVP when healthy or Luka being his generation's great player. They're all developing at this point. Trey Young's in that mix too. The generation in their primes or about to enter their physical primes, Jokic, Embiid, Anthony Davis, and Giannis leading the charge with Devin Booker being number five in that group of like Devin Booker is going to get some MVP considerations. I know some people want to give it to Chris Paul, but Devin Booker is the dude for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Suns without Devin, I mean, with Chris Paul, they're good enough to be a playoff team without Devin Booker. They would be nothing without Chris Paul. They would also not be great. They are the closest thing to a one-two that we have in the NBA because Chris Paul's still playing great basketball while being from LeBron's generation. But the Phoenix Suns are Devin Booker, and Devin Booker is the best player on the Suns. Don't get it twisted. Devin Booker is the best player on the Phoenix Suns, and the only reason his numbers aren't best in the league is because Devin Booker shoots a lot of mid-range shots and the offense works better when Devin Booker is a distributor. It's the same reason why LeBron James averages 27 a game for his career and he could have had 34. It's just they work better when Devin Booker is a distributor and a catch-and-shoot guy. It's why Devin Booker is averaging 26 a game instead of averaging 37 a game like James Harden did during that two-year stretch with the Rockets or really know that five-year stretch with the Rockets where he finished top two in the MVP four times in a row. 2015 with Steph Curry. 2016, he didn't. 2017, should have won MVP over Russ. 2018, won MVP. 2019, could have won MVP over Giannis. James Harden, five years, four of the five years, top two in the MVP. This is the early stages of that for Devin Booker. And I know our conversation about the Nuggets just turned back to Devin Booker, but Devin Booker is that dude. Also, Clippers and Blazers hanging around 500. Both of those teams are going to fall off hard. It's going to let the Lakers float back up into the mix of like the seven or eight seed. Lakers are going to get a seven game playoff series this year. They're going to play either the Suns or the Warriors or the Grizzlies. It's going to be difficult for them to beat any of those teams. It's really weird what happened to the Lakers, but you've heard enough Lakers talk over the past few months in the NBA. It's probably some of the only talk that you've consumed. Suns and Warriors, great. Devin Booker, hugely, hugely a big fan of Devin Booker. Maybe that'll be my next purchase is uh, Devin Booker shoe game. Who is Devin Booker sponsored by? I think Devin Booker's Nike, but Devin Booker should have his own custom shoe. Love me some Devin Booker. Uh, yeah, so Devin Booker right there. Oh, he gets he's a part of the Kobe brand, of course. I forgot about that. Uh, Devin Booker 
is amazing and Chris Paul is amazing and Devin Booker and Chris Paul together is the closest thing to a one-two punch for a championship team we have in the NBA where it's not like the Nets were yeah the Nets have a one-two but Kevin Durant's very clearly the one Giannis is very clearly the one uh Devin Booker is very clearly the one for me but if someone wants to argue the Chris Paul side I'd be willing to listen to them Steph Curry very clearly the one for the Warriors John Morant very clearly the one for the Grizzlies uh offensively Mitchell and and Gobert are similar tandem because Gobert is one of the best defensive players and Donovan Mitchell is the crux of their offense and it's a nice little balance that the Utah Jazz have of every year we're going to be top 10 in offense top 10 in defense are we going to lose to teams that expose Rudy Gobert absolutely but we're always going to be second round exit Utah Jazz second round exit although this year they might lose in the first round and Donovan Mitchell might get ready to leave Utah as we've been talking about whispering for two years now but Donovan Mitchell signed a five-year extension and so I don't think he's ready to really blow things up and light things on fire with the Utah Jazz because he doesn't really control where he goes next that'll be a fun conversation for down the road what I want to talk about now is the fun game that we play every year of learning about college basketball by looking at Ken Palm rankings. I have not looked at Ken Palm's rankings yet this season. I know some little bits about college basketball. Like I know UCLA is pretty good this year. I know Gonzaga just moved back to number one. I know a few things about college basketball, but last year when we played this game, I discovered that Illinois was somehow a top 10 team. And lo and behold, Illinois ended up being a one seed and we rallied behind them last year. But I'm looking up Ken Palm rankings, and I'm going to learn about college basketball for the first time here on the podcast. And we're going to get more serious intellectual analysis with our friend Razor Rosenthal. But I want to start off by playing this fun game that we play every year of learning about college basketball the day after the Super Bowl. So here we go. Number one, Gonzaga. Okay, number two, Arizona. I remember Arizona was complaining about their new coach, that no one liked their new coach, and they wanted Damon Stoudemire to be number one. Arizona turned that shit around real quick once they got rid of Sean Miller. Cool for them. Baylor. Kentucky. Wow, Kentucky's good this year. Good for Kentucky. Auburn, number five. Duke, six. Auburn, I knew, was number one, actually, early on in the season, so it's not super surprising. But I can't name a player on Auburn, but they only have two losses, so good on Auburn. I think they lost to like Arkansas last week or something. Houston is seven. Houston's a fun story. We talked about them a lot last year where Houston was the changing tide with, um, God, what was his name? Kelvin Sampson. That's the name of the coach at Houston. He was uh, exiled from the sport when he got a gigantic suspension. I think is the coach of Kentucky possibly. He got a massive suspension for getting one of these big scandals. Indiana. It was Indiana that he got one of these gigantic scandals. Slowly worked his way back into the sport at the University of Houston. And he ends up being the guy who takes advantage of the transfer portal before everyone else does. Changes the game in college basketball. Makes the Final Four with Quentin Grimes, who I saw play in high school. He now plays for the, the shitty New York Knicks. Houston's back in the top 10. I don't know who they got, but good for them. Kansas 8, turnaround for them. Villanova, Tennessee. Yay, Tennessee's back. Good for Tennessee. I'm happy for them. 
Uh, Tennessee finally turned it around. Rick Barnes still hanging out there. Uh, Purdue 12. I think they were supposed to be like preseason number one. They're 22-4, and four, though. That's pretty good. Ken Palm just has them lower for whatever Ken Palm's reasons are. UCLA 11. Texas Tech. And Texas back-to-back. How about that? So you got Texas Tech and Texas being the exact same team. Uh, one 19-6, the other 18-7 after the coach left last year. Is it Chris Beard? Yeah, Chris Beard left Texas Tech for Texas when Shaka Smart went to Marquette. Where's Marquette on here? How's Marquette doing? Oh, 33. Marquette's a tournament team. Good for Shaka Smart. Glad he glad he landed on his feet. Good for old Shaka Smart. Uh, Illinois, nice. LSU. <laughs> LSU's so funny. LSU is so funny in college basketball because their coach, Will Wade, basically got caught up in the FBI probe the same way Sean Miller did, and three years later, Sean Miller got fired. This dude just gave the school the middle finger and just kept on going. Like, as LSU deals with all matter of scandal, Will Wade got put on leave, gave the school the middle finger, and then they let him back after two weeks of being on leave. Absolute badass move. Alabama's good. Nate Oates. UConn. How about that? UConn finally turning it around after being one of the worst college football programs in history. And winning two national championships in the last 12 years. That is a real thing that exists. UConn basketball has won two national championships in the last 12 years. They're back in the top 20. St. Mary's is good again. That's always fun when St. Mary's is good. Loyola Chicago, 24. All right. Sister Jean, one more ride as she turns 101 this year. I hope Sister Jean makes it the next couple months. Uh, Because that's super awesome that this is still a thing. Sister Jean's 102 now? Holy crap. Sister Jean is 102. Jesus Christ, that is awesome. Sister Jean's going to get a third March Madness run where Loyola made the Final Four four years ago, made the tournament last year, went to the Sweet 16. Sister Jean's going to get another Loyola run. That's freaking awesome. San Francisco USF is good that's three West Coast Conference teams in the top 30 oh that's incredible that's so incredible three teams in the West Coast Conference are in the top 30 you know what how many teams does the the Pac-12 have Pac-12 has one two (laughs) the West Coast Conference has more top 30 teams than the Pac-12 that is awesome Pac-12 has two top 30 teams The West Coast Conference has three. West Coast Conference has taken the Pac-12's title in basketball. Mountain West took the Pac-12's title in football years ago. West Coast Conference, Conference of Champions. Uh, Do they have more than the the SEC? Let's see. Nah, SEC's got four. Okay, not as many as the SEC. How about the Big 12? Do they have more than the Big 12? One, two, three... They've got the exact same number of top 10 te- or top 30 teams as the Big 12. Three in the West Coast Conference, three in the Big 12. Oh, that is so perfect. That's so freaking perfect. Uh, a- ACC. ACC sucks this year. How many teams does the ACC have? One, Duke. Just one. Just one. The ACC has one top 30 team, and the West Coast Conference has three. Oh, this is the greatest thing ever. I got to write this down to ask Razor about that tomorrow. One team from ACC in top 30, 
three teams from the West Coast Conference. That's awesome. Shout out. Where's the next West Coast Conference team? How long can we make this last with the West Coast Conference? Where's BYU? BYU's 52. All right. BYU, four top 50 teams in the West Coast Conference. That is awesome. Shout out. To, if they put four teams in the tournament, I'm going to laugh so hard at that. That's going to be so incredible if the West Coast Conference puts four teams in in the NCAA tournament while the ACC is going to get like five or the Mount or the the Pac-12 is going to get two Pac-12 is going to be a two-team conference or a three-team conference and the West Coast Conference is going to steal all of their teams uh shout out to them Big East kind of falls in there Michigan fell off hard man Michigan was supposed to be a top four team they suck Wake Forest is good at basketball wow Wake Forest is going to make the tournament for the first time in my lifetime. How about that? Good for Wake Forest. Finally turning that thing around with a new coach this year, I think. Uh, Who else is funny here? UAB, North Texas, better than Florida, better than Notre Dame. That's kind of funny how all that works out. Uh, Creighton sucks this year. How about that? Creighton's terrible. Uh, North Carolina's terrible now. How about that? Where is North Carolina, by the way? North uh, North Carolina's 38. They're not terrible. They're not terrible. Not the worst in the world. There are worse. There are worse. Iowa State's finally rebounding, too. Good for Iowa State. Mountain West, four teams in the top 40. Mountain Best, even though they're all in the 30s, four teams in the top 40 for the Mountain West. So more Mountain West teams than Pac-12 teams in the top 40. So the (laughs) West Coast, best coast in college basketball, except they're all in the Mountain West with Wyoming, Colorado State, Boise State, SDSU, Utah State. Five teams in the top 45 from the Mountain West, three teams from the the Pac-12, and three teams from, or four teams, sorry, four teams in the, the, so in the top 40, let's say 45 top 45 we have five mountain west teams four west coast conference teams three pac-12 teams god the pac-12 is so ass it's such a bad conference at sports god the pac-12 is so shit so shit oh so funny too Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for stopping in here to the Take It Easy podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Make sure to download, leave a five-star review, and all of the good stuff to help support this page. It is so appreciated. I love each and every one of you, and I hope that you all have a fan-flippin'-tabulous day, week, however long it is until you come back, which hopefully will be with the next episode, because you can check out our entire archive of podcasts from Super Bowl week, recapping the Super Bowl, all of that great stuff coming at you. Take it easy, everybody.